the first thing I recommend everybody do is just do the market research. If there's other people delivering the service that you want to provide or sell the product that you want to sell, if there's other ones doing that in your area, if it's a local business, I highly recommend you start that business because it means there's a market for it, especially if it's your passion. You've always wanted to do it. You know you're good at it. Whatever it might be, go do it and go do it better than anybody else. You know, So that's really my first recommendation. And then the second thing, really, I would say just get in the mindset of you're building your business for the future. So do it the way you want it to be done in the future. Hey, it's Matt. And this is Pass the Secret Sauce. Today's guest is Paul Maskill, the founder of the Ultimate Freedom Mastermind. After building his own business from zero to 500000 in four years and selling it for a lucrative return, Paul set out on a new mission. He watched his father pour everything he had into his own service-based business for 40-plus years until he could physically no longer do the work. With no employees and no systems, Paul's father was not able to capitalize on all of the work and risk he put in over four decades. The sale of the company was simply selling the truck and equipment. Today, Paul helps other small business owners automate and scale their business so that it can thrive without them, enabling them to leverage their business to build a life that they love. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Michigan. So, uh, you know, it was meat and potatoes every day. I didn't realize, like, I just thought that's what it was until I moved down to North Carolina. And my wife is, uh, she's from Columbia, South America. And I had always cooked for myself, even when I lived by myself. And I was like, this is what I do. And she's like, this is weird. Like, is that all you do is eat meat, potatoes and like a vegetable out of a can uh, <laughs> and then eat like a little Debbie thing for dessert. So, uh, but you know, we had dinner as a family together pretty much every day. My mom, once we started in elementary school, me and my sister, my sister's two years older. She first started out working at the grocery store and then the bank and she eventually worked her way way up into the finance world, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and my dad ran his own business, so he was always home by dinner time. So we were always there. And then usually after dinner, me and my dad would go play some sort of sport in the front yard, whether it was basketball in the driveway or throw the football or baseball. Or We lived close to a golf course. Once I got into golf, we'd go play nine holes uh, after dinner. So I would say it's pretty, I don't know, middle America type dinner table. Mm -hmm. You're lucky because you did have an entrepreneurial upbringing. So can you talk a little bit about that? Did you have any businesses that you started when you were growing up or any types of things that you tried to, to venture out at a, a young age on? Yeah, that's a good question, Matt. So growing up in Michigan was very blue collar. Uh, you're in Ohio, so it's very similar. I just thought business ownership was like one man bands. My dad was the floor guy. There's the electrical guy. There's the HVAC guy. Like, there wasn't this whole concept of like, hey, you're a business owner. It's just like, I just work for myself. And I thought that was the norm. With that being said, my mom was in finance. So I don't know how I got in. I just loved math even before she was in the finance world. So I always loved numbers. I loved saving money. I loved making money. And I didn't really spend any of it. I put it all in savings. And then I would literally go buy baseball cards. That's all I did growing up was I spent every single penny. That was when baseball cards were hot and they were going to be worth millions because mm -hmm. Our parents' generation threw all theirs out and Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth and Roger Maris. They were all worth a bunch of money. So I was always finding a way to make money. You know, I don't know if that's cliche or not for people that run their own business, but I was big into golf. So on rainy days, me and my friends would go to the golf course. We'd climb through the rivers, go through the woods and collect every single golf ball we could find. 
we'd clean them up and then we'd sell them back to the golfers who hit them there in the first place. So that was, you know, we we're always looking at things through that, or I was buying and selling sports cards, trading sports cards. And then once I turned 14, I actually started working at the golf course as a dishwasher. So I just liked work and I liked that I got rewarded for doing something, you know, whether it was hard work or not, I just liked that reward aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you still holding on to uh, any baseball cards or sports cards at this point? No. So no, you, you got rid of them all too. <laughs> I got rid of all of them probably a couple years ago uh, on eBay before we had our first daughter. I, I was lugging these things around with me wherever I went. I was in Michigan and then I was, I moved to Chicago and then I moved to a different part, different condo apartment in Chicago. And then I moved down to North Carolina and they were just like this 10,000 pound weight. Literally they, they were, when I sold, I sold them on eBay and it was like, when I took everything to UPS, it was like four or 500 pounds of cards. So there was tens of thousands of cards and there was a few that were worth some, like I had my ones that were in the big glass case with the screw that would, you know, protect it and all that. So I, I sold them. And my reasoning was if I ever want these things again, I can always go buy them again, but really I just need to get them out of my house. So mm-hmm. if, if for some reason, all the cards from the eighties and nineties turned into a whole bunch of money, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll regret it, but I'm glad that they're not in my house anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So you've started a number of companies throughout your career. What was the first one? What made you want to start the first one? And what problems were you trying to solve with that first one? Yeah. So kind of the quick backstory to that. So I got a finance degree and I moved to Chicago. I was going to climb the corporate ladder. I was going to do what everybody always told me to do go to school, get good grades, get a good job, do that for 40 years. And then you can retire and, you know, hopefully the market's where it's supposed to be and you can have a nice retirement. So that's what I did. And I moved to Chicago, got the job in the cubicle. And this was during just before the whole recession. So this was 2007. And in my opinion, the risk, at least for me, the recession was like a blessing in disguise because it really shined a light that I didn't want to do this forever. Cause I saw people who had poured their entire self into these banks, into these financial institutions. And just with the drop of a hat, they all got let go. So I basically told myself that I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm not going to be in control by somebody else. And my well-being and my family's well-being, if I ever have a family, is not going to be dictated by somebody else. Uh, you know, Because those people were doing phenomenal work. It just happened to be that they were making more money than me. So they're the ones who got let go. So long story short, I quit my job moved down to Raleigh in North Carolina, and I was going to do anything other than sit in a cubicle. And I didn't have to make a lot of money. I just wanted to enjoy what I do every day, make a difference, make an impact. And kind of what we talked about before, I loved playing sports. I loved golf. And so I started where we started running after school golf programs for elementary kids. So I coached my whole life. Even when I lived in North Carolina, I was coaching nine and 10 year old basketball, even though I didn't have any kids. I was like, mm-hmm. people probably thought I was this some weird guy that's coaching. Why is he coaching these kids? He doesn't even have kids. So I just loved the aspect of coaching. And I thought if I could do that, I don't really care how much money I make. So that was my first business. We ended up scaling it and it turned into a business and it wasn't just me, but that was really the first foray into you know, real business ownership. I quit my job, moved down here and said, I'm never going back to that cubicle. And even if I, you know, my reasoning for doing that was if this whole business thing, business building thing doesn't work, I can always go get another job at the end mm-hmm. of the day. They're always going to be there. And I didn't want to have the regret of what would have happened if I did quit my job and start my first business. So that was, that was my first foray into business ownership. Mm-hmm. And how, what were your thoughts on that first foray? Yeah. So uh, like I said, I really had very 
low financial expectations. I just wanted to do something every day where I felt like I was actually making a difference, making an impact, having fun and enjoying what I do every day. To me, it didn't make sense to like do something you hate for 40 years and then enjoy life when you're at a point, you know, maybe physically where you can enjoy life after working for 40 or 50 years, you know, in the office, if you're lucky to make it that far. So we started scaling it pretty quickly after, you know, I would say the first first couple of months, I thought everyone's going to love this and it's going to, it's just going to sell like hotcakes. It didn't. I had doubts of, should I go back and just get another job? Like, is this not for me? What, what, what am I missing? And then eventually we had success. And then I got to the point where I was like most self-employed people. I was owning another job. I just didn't realize it. I was working 60 to 80 hours a week. My business needed me there every single day. Even though I had hired a staff to do all the coaching, I was still kind of the big part of that wheel that if I'm not there, everything else falls apart. So that's really when I started to realize that even though I'm scared to delegate, it's my baby. Nobody can do it as well as I can. I need to make a change here and build this business so that it can run without me just from the peace of mind of if something happened to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, so you realized that early on. So talk about that transition where, you know, what you started doing in your business to create the systems and the procedures and processes. Did you document all of those? What was that like? How did you kind of go through that process of taking yourself out of the business? Yeah. So I think the first thing I had to get over, which I think many business owners struggle with is kind of the mindset of nobody else can do this as good as I can. This is my baby. I'm not going to give up control. And then I realized I'm not really in any control because if something happens to me, like this business gets wiped out. So I had to figure out how can I get over that mental hurdle? And for me, it was that kind of became a recurring theme of, well, what's the worst case scenario if I delegate everything and it doesn't work? And the worst case scenario was it's just going to come back to me anyway. And it's already with me. So I might as well give it a go. Kind of like when I quit my job. So where I started, and I probably didn't realize I started here until after the fact, but when I quit my job and started my own business, that was like my ultimate goal. Like I just want to be self-employed. I don't want to have a boss. Uh, And I see a lot of business owners get trapped in this same area of like, hey, I did it. I made it. And then they stop kind of having any sort of vision of what's next. Instead, it's let's just keep this hamster wheel going. Let's keep the business running. Let's wake up and put out fires. And I realized I needed to get really clear on my vision, my personal vision of what does my ideal life look like? And what am I doing in that life? How am I traveling? Where am I spending my time? Who am I spending my time with? And then ultimately, how much money does it actually take to make that happen? And then when you, can, when you can get really clear on that personal vision, kind of the next step that I started going through was, what type of business do I need to build in order to make that happen? Because if we don't have that clear vision and we don't know where we want to go, we're never going to, we're just going to be going in circles over and over again. And I equate it to going on a road trip. We don't just get in our car and start driving and hope we get it to a place we want to go to because we don't even know where we want to go. If I want to go from Raleigh, to Cleveland. Now I know I need to go to Cleveland. Now I'm going to work backwards to figure out who needs to come along. How much is it going to take? Where do I need to pack? All these other things. Whereas most business owners, they don't have that defined definition. They don't know really where they're going, that destination. Instead, they're in their car driving all day. And they're like, this is great. I'm running my own business. I'm I'm keeping this thing moving. This thing can't stop. But they're literally just going in a circle day in and day out. It's like Groundhog Day. So those are the really the two first steps that I took before even, you know, really thinking about documenting and delegating and systems and processes. I didn't really know it at the time. That's what I was doing. But I really did map out 
okay, what's future Paul doing? And what's this future business look like? And then I can figure out what do I need to do today in order to work mm -hmm. my way towards that kind of end goal. And did your future include a different business than, than what you're doing at that current time? Yeah, so that's a good, so I would say my future vision was, I knew what I wanted to do. I just, at that time, I wasn't sure if my, if this current business was the one to get me there, which I think also becomes the ultimate filter and allows us to remove the emotional attachment to our business because we're so emotionally tied to it. But once it kind of stops serving you and your mission and your vision, it's okay to sell it. It's okay to let somebody else run it and it turn into a passive income stream. So, you know, really that's kind of what, how it all played out in a couple of years is, you know, I, I had the vision. I knew what kind of organization I need to build. I knew what roles would need to be filled in order to make this happen. And then we just, you know, we really went and did it. We made time to work on it. I put a team together and we started putting the systems and the processes in place, documenting things and giving it to them. And then I, we got to a point where I felt I've got this business pretty far along. And now I feel if I'm going to put more time into it, I'm not going to get the same amount of returns as I did for these first, say, four years. So if I can sell it for the right number, I'm okay selling it, even though I loved it and it was awesome. And I got to hang out with kids every day and people whose passion was to help these kids, you know, it got to the point where, okay, if I can sell it for this dollar amount, I will sell it. And it has nothing to do with the business or the emotion. It's just, Hey, it's, this is the one, just one step on my journey to get to where I really want to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's really important that you took those steps to be able to actually start going toward the, the vision that you had for yourself. Because what I see a lot of entrepreneurs doing is they have a current business now and they get stuck in it. They feel like everything has to go through that in order for them to you know, achieve whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. But I don't think that they actually take the time to be able to say, this is what I ultimately want to do, like what you did, or this is what I want my ultimate life to look like. You know, everything revolves, like you said, everything revolves around that company and around that one business. So, so that's great. It took the time to be able to look at what you wanted to do and then actually take the steps to be able to, you know, progress that along. So, so, so talk about what you're doing today. You know, you've, you've sold the one company and now you're helping other businesses basically go through this process of setting up their systems and procedures. What does that look like for you today? Yeah. So, I mean, really it's kind of, you know, replicating what I've been able to do a couple of times. So after that business, people started saying, Hey, how do you do this? I really want to learn more, you know, and I tell everybody you just to, you know, you can build a, a business that is sellable, even if you don't want to sell it, a business that is sellable just means that it can survive without you can thrive without you. And it gives you a lot of options. If something does happen or, Hey, my wife got a job transfer and we got to leave town. Like, then you can at least reap the rewards of all the work that you put into this business, whether you keep being the owner and you hire someone to run it and it's a passive income stream or you sell it or you give it to the next generation in your family. You know, so really what I work on with people every day now is, you know, really just kind of replicate that. So I did it with the, the after school program business. I actually bought an existing dog walking pet sitting business about two years ago. Did it, with, did it with that, put the systems and processes, people in place, and then we actually sold it to an employee. You know, so there's just so many opportunities out there. I think, we, like you said, we just get, we as business owners, we get stuck so far into the weeds, we can't really see anything else. So that's really what I try and help business owners do is exactly the same thing. So the first thing is, where do you really want to go? What, in your wildest dreams, what does life look like in three years and five years and 10 years? And get really clear on that, you know, where you're living, what kind of car you're driving, how much 
how much time are you traveling? Are you playing golf? Whatever it is. Okay, now let's put a dollar amount to that. And usually what I find is that dollar amount is a lot less than what people actually think they need, quote unquote, need to make to have made it. Like, hey, I've made it. If you talk to anybody, like, I want to make millions. And then I ask them why. And they sound like my four-year-old child. It's like, I don't know, because. Like, if I ask my kid anything, I don't know, because. And if I ask a business owner, why do you want to make billions? They say, I don't know, because. You know, so that's really not, if you're not clearly defined on how much you want to make and how, much, how big of an impact you want to get to, you're never going to get to where you want to go because you don't have a defined destination. You don't have a defined plan. So once we get clear on that, I really work with them on kind of understanding, in my opinion, the five systems of every single business, no matter what business it is, you can take this to any type of business. And it's really just following the customer journey. So the first system is lead generation. So how do people find you? How do they get interested about you? What are you doing to stir up that interest among people who don't know you right now? Mm -hmm. So Within that system, you have a whole bunch of processes, and then you turn that lead into a sale, into a customer. So sales is your second system, bunch of processes within that. The third one is then the customer kind of relations. So you have the customer service, and then you have the customer experience. Two different things. Customer service is a little bit more reactive. Customer experience is more proactive. But that whole customer relations, that's kind of the third system, in my opinion. The fourth system is the actual service that you provide. So there's a whole bunch of processes within that. That's usually where most people hang out. They don't really spend time on lead generation. They don't spend time on sales. They don't do anything in customer experience. They just focus on customer service. And even then, they're not really good at it. They'll return phone calls when they can. And then the last part. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. And then the last part, which is what most people usually totally don't like, is operations. So everything that goes on in the background where I love, most people hate, you know, whether it's the finances, the marketing system or the technology that you're using or receivables or payables or, you know, the standard operating procedures, everything that's going on in the background to make your business go. So I get them to really focus on those five systems and document every single process that goes on within them. So when I say document, first, you just need to write down each one. You don't have to say, mm -hmm. this is how you do it, but just take, take the time. You know, if you're listening to this and you have time, which you really need to make time is what I encourage everybody, even if it's 30 minutes a day, get out a spreadsheet, get out a sheet of paper, go through every one of those systems and write down every single thing that happens within that system. So that's every single process within that system. Who does it right now? Who should do it? How long does it take? How often do you do it? So now you're just kind of creating this roadmap more or less. And I call it the delegation snowball. So once you have 120 processes that you have in your business and it's always going to grow then literally just number them one through 120 and the number one thing is the first thing that you want to delegate 
or automate, whatever it is. So once we get to that point, I walk them through a process of perfecting it, documenting it, automating it, or delegating. So P-D-A-D, P-DAD. So perfecting it just means doing it the same way more than once. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect because it's always going to improve, but at least you're not winging it. So that's kind of the first step that we walk through, documenting how it's done using screen recording software, or even just your phone. Your phone is super powerful. And then are you going to automate that process? Are you going to delegate that process? So those are kind of the steps that we go through. And then it's all about who's going to do it, when they're going to do it, and really putting together that whole thing. But if anybody listening, if you can just get clear on your vision, figure out what type of organization you need to build in order to make that vision come true. It's my 100% belief that our business should be the vehicle to allow us to do whatever we want to do in this world. Way too many business owners are just sacrificing everything to keep their business running. And then when they're all done, they're like, why did I do that? So using your business as a vehicle to achieve everything you want to do in this world. So that's the ideal organization. Make time to work on your business is number three, 30 minutes to an hour a day even is plenty. The delegation snowball and then start the perfecting, documenting, automating, and delegating. So that's what we walk through. And we literally just do it over and over and over. Like mm-hmm. you do the same thing like that over and over if you do it for a year you'll be surprised at the results you can have. Can you talk a little bit about what, I'm not sure how I want to phrase this, but what your definition of a process is? Because I think, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we all hear this, that you need your processes and systems. Do you have any type of a framework or guide or way to describe when I'm making my list of this is what we do? How do I know when a process is complete or, you know, this is a process that I should document any advice or insight into what that looks like. Yeah, that's a great question. And I get it all the time because people will tell me, everyone's telling me to work on my business. I've read the books, but how in the world do I actually work on my business? And what is a system? What is a process? So in my opinion, everyone's got different opinions. You have the five systems that we just outlined, lead generation, sales, customer relations, the service that you provide, and then the operations. So Most people listening to this, they're probably really good at the actual service that they provide. So we'll just kind of dive into there. So what are the processes that you do every single day to deliver your actual service all the way down to like starting the car? So I'm a partner in a landscaping business. So you could have the beginning of day process. What do we do? We walk in, we check the tire pressure. We make sure our mower's got everything it's got. We make sure the tools are good. We do that. Like, okay, that's our beginning of day process. And then what's our next process? Okay. So we're driving to our work site. Once we get there, what's the next process that we do? So kind of chunking it down into there is a start and stop. If you just try to do one process for the entire day, you're going to drive everybody crazy. So when you can chunk it down into little, you know, smaller processes where people know the defined start and the defined end. So our beginning of day process, once you clock in from the time you clock in until you get in the truck and go, this is the process. So whether it's a 15 point checklist, check this, check the tires, make sure you got enough fuel, make sure you got your tablet, make like whatever it is. That's our first process. And however you do it, you know, when you're training someone, they probably have a check mark, like checkbox, 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 eventually it just becomes second nature, just like how we are with our business. So that could be a process. Once you get to the job site from the time you park to before you actually start work, that's another process. What do we do? Do we knock on the door? Do we call the customer? Do we check in on the tablet? So if you can define it into smaller chunks, by the end, you know, you're, you're building kind of a document library, if you want to call it, you know, a knowledge library of 
if I gave you all of this, you should be able to do the actual service. Now, you might not be the best at delivering the service, but you should be able to do everything that we do to deliver it. And then it's just a matter of getting better at it. You're going to learn how to cut the grass better and better. You're going to learn how to edge better. You're going to learn how to weed eat better. But we could just have a process around that. How do you start the weed eater? Okay, once it's started, the process is done. How do you add more string to the weed eater? You start it by doing it. And once it's done and up and running again, the process is over. So just trying to like, if you think of those books of anything for dummies, just try and break it down super simple as if you're teaching somebody that has no clue about what your business does. Excellent. Excellent. Do you have any insight into what some of the common mistakes are that a lot of people make when they're trying to create their processes? Yeah. So I would say the biggest one is they assume something and you cannot literally assume anything. And I learned this the hard way because what we take as like we could do in our sleep, we still have to explain to other people like in super detail, like don't just say go here. It's like, if you're going to park the car, don't just say park the car over there. It's park the car in the second spot, leave two feet on each side, make sure the front is a foot apart. Like you can't, there is no common sense because you need to assume that this is the first time this person has ever done what you're asking them to do. You've parked the car over there a million times. They've never parked it over there. So I would say that's the biggest point. I would say the biggest mistake and the biggest point of frustration because I see business owners every day get so frustrated with their employees and say, man, they're so stupid. They just don't get it. Isn't that common sense? And the answer is no. You know, And it's not your employee's fault. It's your fault because you failed to provide them something. If you leave anything to question, what the employee is going to do, what a human being is going to do is going to say, if I ask Matt, he's going to think I'm stupid. So I'm going to try and figure this out. And I think this is if I think this is how he wants it done. And then you're going to do it and you're going to be like super proud. And then the business owner is like, God, come on. And then it's, it goes down this whole building of bad culture. It's toxic. This person's dumb when really it comes to the leadership of you just weren't clear enough. So don't feel like you're going to insult somebody by being super clear on the directions. Like that's going to make their life way easier because it's less thinking for them so they can really spend more of their mental energy on doing a really good job because they don't have to figure out anything. Yeah, excellent, excellent. You mentioned culture a second ago. How impactful has creating these processes and systems been on cultivating a culture where everyone works together? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, when you think about culture, you know, you really don't think about systems and processes because systems and processes seem like so rigid and culture is like, hey, let's be ourselves. But it, it allows you to build a really strong culture because there's so many things that people don't have to worry about. So if you think about Chick-fil-A, anybody that's ever been to a Chick-fil-A, I, I like to use them for a lot of examples and culture is another great one. They have their systems and processes dialed in so much where a lot of people think, well, aren't they just going to, their employees going to feel like robots? And the, if the answer is no, it's actually the exact opposite. They don't have to worry about how long am I going to cook the chicken? When is it done? What's the temperature supposed to be? How do I do this? How do I do that? Instead, they can take all their mental energy, all their, everything that they have, and they can focus on building a really good culture because they don't have to worry about all that other stuff that's being taken care of by the systems and processes. So it really empowers you and your team to really get to the next level because you're not spending all day racking your brains and trying to figure things out because that stuff's already been figured out. So You know, it also, in my opinion, from an employee standpoint, they're going to respect their leader more because there's nothing worse than going to a job 
and saying, all right, Matt, here's your job. And then you say, cool, how do I do it? And I say, I don't know, figure it out. You're the expert. I hired you for it. That will diminish culture like 100%. You know, even if you are the expert, you want to do it the way that we've always done it because you want to make your boss happy. But if we don't have a consistent way, then you feel like, what is going on? What kind of organization is this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, so when you can really put that in place, it allows you to then hire for personality. Because I see a lot of businesses hire for talent because they don't have the systems and processes. Mm -hmm. And the person that's really good at something might be a total jerk to work with, but you kind of need that person because you don't have the systems and processes. So when you have the systems and processes, you can pay people less because you don't need to pay for talent, but you can also pay really cool people that you want to be around because you know that you can teach them whatever they need to know to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, right now we're sort of in the middle of this black swan event and I expect a lot of people to be starting businesses out of necessity or, uh, you know, again, finally taking the leap and following their passion and, and moving forward with something that they've always wanted to do. What would you say are some of the first steps when creating a business? You know, so we kind of focused on a lot of businesses that were already established. What would you give some, what type of advice would you give someone who's very, very new, very fresh? What would you advise them to do to start creating these systems, you know, from day one, even if they don't necessarily know what those systems might necessarily look like today? Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. So, you know, if you're looking to just start your business, I recommend everyone first do market research. And if nobody is doing what you want to do, there's probably a reason for that. There's probably not a market for it. Now, yes, you can kind of be that unicorn business. You could be the Facebook, but most likely you're not going to be. So if other people are delivering it, most people are like, oh, there's too much competition. I love competition because it's an opportunity to show everybody how much better you are than everyone else. Because the competition is setting the bar and usually that bar is really low and it's really easy to excel over that. So the first thing I recommend everybody do is just do the market research. If there's other people delivering the service that you want to provide or sell the product that you want to sell, if there's other ones doing that in your area, if it's a local business, I highly recommend you start that business because it means there's a market for it, especially if it's your passion. You've always wanted to do it. You know you're good at it. Whatever it might be, go do it and go do it better than anybody else. You know, so that's really my first recommendation. And then the second thing, really, I would say just get in the mindset of you're building your business for the future. So do it the way you want it to be done in the future. If it's not scalable right now, try and not do it or at least have the, have the wherewithal to know, hey, I need to fix this at some point. Because where most business owners get stuck is they're just doing, 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 saying yes to everything as they start up. And then before they know it, they're overwhelmed, they're connected to their business 24 seven, and they don't know how to get out of it and they don't have the time to get out of it. So if you can take the time, have the patience and do it the right way the first time, it's going to make your life a lot easier. So whenever you're doing anything, put it through the filter of, could somebody else do this at some point in, you know, in the future? And is this the best way to do it or the best way that I know how to do it? Because there's a lot of shortcuts that people take when they're starting their business, even though they know they shouldn't be doing it. And it always comes to bite them in the future. Fantastic. Excellent. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you for helping them create systems and processes in their business, what would you suggest the best way to do that would be? Yeah. So one, uh, Matt, really appreciate you having me on Two. Since you guys are listening to this, you listen to podcasts. So I do have a podcast as well for business owners. 
Uh, so if you just search Business Owners Freedom Formula Show, we've been doing it for quite a, quite a few years now, bringing in guests, doing solo shows. So if you listen to podcasts, definitely recommend check that out. And then if you want to reach out to me directly, just go to my website, paulmaskill.com. If you go there, plenty of different ways to get in touch with me. But you know, if, if you were interested in having a conversation one-on-one, uh, I do run uh, a mastermind. It's called the Ultimate Freedom Mastermind, where we really dive deep, build deep relationships, and really combat, in my opinion, probably one of the biggest issues with business ownership, which is isolation. So business ownership's a lonely world, but it doesn't have to be. You know, and surrounding yourself with other people, like-minded individuals heard doing things that you want to do, getting to places you want to be at. So you can kind of make that transformation, go from business operator to business owner, automate your business, scale your business, have more money, have more time. That's really what we focus on. So at the end of the day, we've only got one shot at this. And I see way too many business owners have regrets when it's all done saying, man, I wish I would have tried that. So in my opinion, you know, once we got out of that isolating area, we're just much more open to success we get a lot better ideas because, you know, the energy's flying. And what I have found over time, and I didn't really notice it at the time, but really what everybody needs to succeed in anything is a coach or a mentor, a plan to actually get there, and then accountability. And a lot of times we're missing one of those, and we just keep spinning our wheels. So if you have somebody who's, who's at a place where you want to get to, has been where you're at, they can help you put a plan in place to get to where you want to go. And then having that accountability, you know, I equate it to, you know, going to a gym. If you go to the gym by yourself, it's really easy not to show up tomorrow. But if you have eight or nine other people waiting for you at 5 a.m., you're going to be there because they're holding you accountable. So that's really what we focus on in the mastermind. So if you want to chat about it, just go to paulmaskill.com. There's an application there. You can fill it out. Uh, And again, if you're a podcast listener, which you are because you're listening to this, just search Business Owners Freedom Formula Show, and it should pop right up. And would you say that you focus on uh, pretty well any type of business or are there ones that are better for better served for your program than others? Yeah. So, you know, what I, what I found over time is really all the principles of business are the same, no matter what you do. My passion, if I'm owning a business is service-based business, because I love the human element. I love being able to deliver a service, set ourselves apart from everyone else uh, through an awesome customer experience. But what I find is, having all sorts of different business owners in the room really adds value exponentially. So we have, you know, people in there all over the place. We have commercial cleaning companies. We have a realtor, we have marketing folks, we have leaders, you know, like a leadership development coach. So there's people, every gamut of business ownership. And it just brings so many different perspectives into other people's businesses. Cause we get so caught in our lane, head down in the weeds and it's like, hey, in our industry, we do this. You ever thought about that? And it's like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. So it's really open to anybody that owns a business, depending on you know where you're at, where you want to go. But you know, my personal passion is the service-based business, delivering a local service to the local community because I feel there's such a big opportunity because really most people are doing it terrible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, completely agree. Paul, this has been fantastic. Uh, Thanks for being on the show. And uh, I'm sure that we will be hearing more from you in the future. Yeah, Matt, thank you so much for the opportunity. Really enjoyed it. No problem. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.